This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 425. Thanks to AG1, our favorite daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports the whole body. Get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. With your first purchase, go to drinkag1.com forward slash MTA. That's drinkag1.com slash MTA. Thanks to MetPro Nutrition Coaching for sponsoring the podcast. You can speak with a metabolic expert about your goals and get actionable steps toward fueling for performance, losing weight, adding muscle, or changing your body composition. Go to metpro.co forward slash MTA to get $500 off their concierge coaching. metpro.co forward slash MTA. And finally, thanks to Oladance Open Earbuds. They have 360 degree superior sound, but don't actually enter the ear, so there's no ear fatigue, and you'll never lose track of what's happening around you. Visit Oladance.com, use the code MTA20 to save 20%. That's Oladance.com, use the code MTA20 for 20% off. Hey, hey, welcome to the MTA Podcast, where it's all about inspiring and equipping you to run a marathon and change your life. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, we speak with Academy member J.J. Stark Modlin, who recently qualified for Boston at her 27th marathon. Once upon a time, she hated running and was even advised that because of her injuries, she'd never be able to run a full marathon. We know you're going to enjoy her story. And just a heads up, as an Academy member, you can get access to all of our training plans, courses, resources, and more. Find out how to join when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. Well, the Berlin Marathon just uh, wrapped up at the time of this recording. I wish I could have been there. We ran Berlin back in 2016 and loved it. Angie, quick wrap up. What went down this year at the Berlin Marathon? Well, Elliot Kipchoge won for the fifth time with a time of 2.02.42. He pretty much dominated from the start of the race with just one runner sticking with him. So it was kind of the Elliot show again. But even more exciting, the first place woman ran a new world record. Tigist Asafa from Ethiopia finished with a time of 2 hours, 11 minutes and 53 seconds, more than two minutes faster than Bridget Kosgai's record. All right, so new world record there. And uh, also just yesterday, the Boston Marathon announced its cutoff for 2024. Yes, there is a record number of 33,000 applicants for the 2024 Boston Marathon. And as expected, there was a pretty significant cutoff time. You had to run 5 minutes, 29 seconds under your qualifying time to be accepted into the race uh, next year. So definitely very disappointing for those who work so hard for a qualifying time. But congratulations to everyone who did make it in with um, that cutoff time. Uh, It'll definitely be an exciting race next year. Yeah, it's a pretty brutal cutoff time. It's not the worst. I think one year it was like seven minutes or something. Yeah, it was. But even so, man, if you're working hard and qualified for Boston and then you can't get in because of the cutoff, it always sucks. Especially since it followed two years where everyone with a qualifying time got in. So yeah. it does feel kind of like a, a little bit of a punch in the gut. Yeah, we're actually speaking with someone today on the podcast who qualified for Boston recently, but didn't make the cutoff. And we talked to her before the cutoff was announced, but she kind of assumed that she wouldn't get in because she only had a couple minutes to spare, but has a really good attitude about it. You know, not going to give up. It's going to keep pursuing that goal. She knows she has what it takes. In fact, she's dropped her marathon from a 5.06 at her first marathon to a 3.32.45, and we're really excited to have JJ tell her story. 
Before we do that, I'd like to give some quick shout outs to folks in our community. So Angie, what do you got for us? Yeah, congrats to MTA member Matthew Lippert, who recently completed a running streak of 1,000 days. That's super impressive. And I also want to say shout out to my Aunt Virginia. She posted recently on social media. She says, I keep amazing myself. I just finished a 10K. Three years ago, I couldn't run at all. Now I've done so much more than just being able to run. At 72 years old, I've gotten healthier by losing 95 pounds and completely changing myself from the inside out. I'm happier than I ever thought possible. That's great. She had me build her a couch to 5K plan a few months ago, and she successfully completed her 5K, has moved on to the 10K distance, and I'm just so proud of her. And it feels like it just came out of nowhere. Years ago, did we ever expect that she'd be doing this? No. And that's that's the thing. You just never know when people are going to decide it's time to change something in their life. That's right. We're hoping it happens before you're 70, but if you're already 70, you can still get in on the fun. Definitely. We also heard from Randy, who's an MTA member. He said, Cottonwood Revel Marathon complete with a personal best by 15 minutes despite severe leg cramps in the last six miles. Cool. It's a a brutal thing to have happen in the last few miles of a marathon. So really impressive. He was still able to run a 15-minute PR. We also like to say congrats to Stephanie, a client of ours, who finished her first 50K, and she actually finished third overall. That's right. She said this, I finished third female overall and somewhere in the top 10 overall in my first 50K, the Run the Red Desert 50K. I made good on my New Year's resolution to run an ultra this year and got an award. Thanks to Coach Nicole at Marathon Training Academy for pairing me with Coach Carrie, who I began working with in May after a stress fracture and severely inflamed tendons. She got me on track with an excellent training regimen and on the other side, injury free. Thanks to all the awesome organizations that make this race happen and awareness around preserving and promoting public lands. Uh, This last message comes from Emily, and she says, Hello, Angie and Trevor. I wanted to share a message of thanks for your podcast and inspiration. It's always been on my bucket list to run a marathon, but life has always managed to get in the way. At 36, I'm originally from the UK, but have lived in New York and am now settled in Sydney, Australia with two young children and I work full time. I figured it was now or never, so I signed up for the Sydney Marathon. As I set off for a run one day, I realized I had no idea what I was doing and no strategy to my training, so I just typed Marathon Beginner into Google Podcasts and up you popped. I started listening and was so interested in the real life stories, tales from athletes, and race roundups that the kilometers melted away. I then downloaded your 5-hour, 30-minute training plan and got a really good idea about pace, heart rate, and strategy. After hearing Trevor's lazy guide to running a marathon, I felt like I could totally do this. (laughs) (laughs) My aim was to finish strong and smiling. Training went great, and with my baseline and continued strength training, I really felt this helped me not get injured. As race day approached, the winter weather departed, and it was 31 degrees Celsius, or 88 degrees Fahrenheit. At about 15 kilometers, the heat really got to me, and my energy was totally sapped. Having listened to the episode on nutrition with the MetPro coach, I knew I needed to up everything, carbs, electrolytes, energy, and with people dropping like flies around me. I became concerned about heat stroke, and I started to walk. After seeing some friends around the halfway point, I asked them to bring me Gatorade, and I started to get back to it. Although I had taken electrolytes and water at each aid station, I clearly needed more. At 30K, I got my head into the game and sailed through the final 30 to 42K, really enjoying every step. I finished with a sprint and smiling in five hours and 20 minutes. I am delighted with my results. 
A younger me might have given up when I started walking, but listening to everyone's stories on the pod, you realize the race you get isn't the one that you might have trained for, but ultimately only you can control the result. Right after I finished, I was planning the next race, perhaps somewhere a little cooler. I want to shout out to all the women who think a full marathon isn't for them. Women of the world, you can do a full marathon and more. I promise you, if I can, honestly, anyone can. Thanks, team, and thanks to the community. Uh, She says, best, Emily, and then she put in bold letters, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Well, you're living proof, Emily. Thank you for sending that report in. Huge congrats on finishing your first marathon there at the Sydney Marathon in Australia. She mentions how she enjoyed hearing stories from our community. These are our favorite type of episodes to do. We're going to hear from a longtime community member, JJ Stark Modlin. She recently posted in our little group there for members about her Long journey to qualifying for the Boston Marathon. It took her 27 marathons and about 10 years. She's been working with Coach Steven for the last, I don't know, five years or so. She posted, I want everyone to know that sometimes it takes 27 marathons and years and years to reach a goal. And that just because it's tough doesn't mean that you should stop trying. We love endurance running because it's hard. So don't let the difficulty stop you from putting in the work. Yeah, it was fantastic to be able to speak with JJ. Um, She originally worked with me for about a year uh, back in 2016. Like she said, has been working with Coach Steve for the last few years. She is an attorney and she lives with her husband in Chico, California. So here's our conversation with JJ Stark Modlin. All right, we're on the podcast now with JJ Stark Modlin. Joining us from Chico, California, JJ, welcome to the MTA podcast. Good to be here. Finally, nice to see you in person. I don't think we've ever met. I know, we've interacted over the years. I mean, JJ and I work together, but I think this is the first time we're having a face-to-face, so it's really great to, you know, meet you officially. Absolutely. It's great to meet you guys officially too. And I've, I mean, I've listened to you for years and years before I even started with coaching through MTA. And so this is a really cool experience and I'm just <laughs> grateful that you guys wanted to hear my story. Oh, we are really excited to have you share your story. It's over the weekend, you know, when you posted about your race there at, at Revel, we just had huge smiles on our face and this is what we live for. So yep, this lights us up. Let's go back to the beginning and how you got interested in running marathons in the first place. So I say before I got interested in per se running marathons, even I had to first get interested in running because I (laughs) hated running. So I was a competitive artistic roller skater starting from when I was about six years old, competing nationally and internationally all the way up through law school. I actually took the bar exam and left for the national championships the next day. Wow. What is artistic roller skating involved? I would say think like the ice skaters with double axles and the spins and all that kind of stuff. Um, The only difference is we do it on wheels and they do it on ice and blades. They're sort of two peas to the pod. Roller skating is not in the Olympics, but it's sort of the summer version of ice skating. Wow. Like we have local competitions, national competitions, world championships, 
They're in the Pan Am Games. They're in the World Games. It's a big sport in lots of different countries, just not in the Olympics yet. So I started when I was about six years old with like a little church event where they like took us skating. And my mom's like, if you're going to do anything, you're going to do it properly. So she got me into lessons. I just fell in love. I did pair skating for a period of time. I love competing um, and training and trying to get the best out of myself and doing, in essence, everything I can to the best of my ability and knowing that there's always more and it doesn't matter what kind of setbacks you achieve or run into, but like you doesn't mean you stop. And so that was sort of my mindset. All of my youth athletics, I did it through high school, I did it through college, and I'd be at the skating rink, you know, six hours a day, seven hours a day, six to seven days a week on top of going to school and all that kind of stuff. And it formulated a lot of who I am as a person. But once I graduated from law school, um, I realized I couldn't work the number of hours that I would be working as a, I'm a deputy district attorney. So I couldn't work the number of hours I'd be working as a prosecutor and be able to push myself the way I would want to push myself in my sport. And I realized that at this point in time, it was sort of a, I'd almost been doing it for about 20 years. I didn't get paid, but I consider it retiring because I don't consider myself a quitter. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I couldn't keep doing it at a world-class level and an elite level and doing the career that I was called to be doing. And I realized it was time to uh, move on to sort of the next chapter of my life. And my mom was a PE coach and was very much like, you can't just sit on your butt. You got to do something. You should try running. <laughs> it's not about speed. Just got to go slow and easy. And like, I remember the first time I really sort of tried running, we were in a parking lot uh, down at the beach and she was like, just run the parking lot slowly, not sprint, just run. And when you get tired, you can walk. And I was like, oh, I mean, this still sucks, but it's not as bad as it could be. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times people make it harder than it needs to be in the beginning. They think they have to really push the pace hard. Mm -hmm. It's not true. Yeah. I did Air Force ROTC in college until I had herniated two discs in my back and had to drop out from it. Skating injury. So with that, it was always pushing the pace and like having to stay up. And it was just awful. And so... I then started Googling how to start running and like I found some couch to 5k 30 second run 30 second walk thing and was like, oh, I could do this. And oh, my God, there's races. This can also be fun and competitive. <laughs> yeah, I know you're really into Disney stuff. So, you know, did you kind of discover the Disney races and be like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, my cousin had emailed me about the Tinkerbell half marathon and was like, oh, my God, there's a Tinkerbell half marathon. We have to do this. And I was like, I'm not a runner. <laughs> but she went down and did that the inaugural year they had Tinkerbell. And like we went and cheered her on and I was like, oh my God, this is because I just started like run walking at that point in time. I'm like, this is so cool. And you still get to wear the costumes because part about skating is you get to wear the pretty outfits. And I'm also super obsessed with Disney. And so like it combined all of my obsessions into one thing. <laughs> so you finished a half marathon or two, got the bug and then decided at some point you want to take on the marathon. So I'd always heard about the marathon and I talked to my parents about like, I want to do the marathon. And my dad's like, there was no way with how bad your knees are that you're ever going to be able to like, I think a half marathon's your 
maybe your distance, you're not going to be able to run a marathon. So for example, when I started law school from skating injuries, I started law school on crutches for my torn meniscus and my two broken hands. So, and I had a full ankle reconstructive surgery in 2010. And so when I started running, I was still having kneecap tracking problems and and all of my massive amount of skating injuries over time that they're like, I don't think you're going to be able to do it. You're just going to wreck your body. And I was like, well, my goal is to be the bionic woman by 60. So (laughs) whatever. Well on your way. (laughs) I, I know when we first started working together, you had pretty significant history of injury. And then you described yourself as accident prone. You know, I remember like there would be some goal races that you would have and then you'd sprain your ankle, step in a hole. Things happen while you're running, you know, you trip on a curb or like whatever. But I always appreciated how that mindset would kick in. You know, there would be a setback. It would be disappointing. It would be kind of like back to the drawing board a little bit, but you never really gave up on that focus and, you know, that positive mindset. So I think that is really, you know, been one thing that has helped your trajectory to get to where you are today, obviously. Yeah, definitely. I, I am accident prone, but sometimes accidents just happen to me. I did have a tree branch fall on me during a run through the park once and got a concussion. Oh, man. But it makes a great story afterward. Like you, you can't you can't let it get you down. You just got to smile and laugh about it and just keep on trucking. So that's right. So in spite of being recommended not to run a full marathon, you decided that you would sign up for one anyway. Yes. So I, in large part, signed up for running my first marathon because of the 2013 Boston Marathon. I had always heard about Boston. I knew it was like the everyday person's Olympics. I was watching it on because I finally was into super into running and getting all the things and watching all the races and you could watch them on TV. And 2013 was when the bombing happened. And I was so inspired by everybody that persevered in that race and all of the stories that came out of it that I was like, I'm going to find a marathon. It's not going to be Boston, but I'm going to sign up for a marathon. And I wanted to do my part to show that I'm not afraid and that I support my people and I can screw up my knee running a marathon. It's fine. <laughs> Did you also, um, at that point, have a desire to run Boston itself someday? Yeah. I was like, I I am going to be there. I was like, maybe I could be there for, you know, 2014. And that was definitely not the case. But it was at that moment in time that I was like, I am going to run Boston. Mm -hmm. Uh, That became one of my big life goals and has been on my trajectory ever since. It wasn't just running a marathon. I knew it was going to take some some time to get there because I was not a fast half marathoner, let alone (laughs) going the distance for a marathon. But I was going to run Boston and I didn't care how long it takes me to get there. The older you get, the slower you ha- have to be. So like, it'll be fine. That's right. <laughs> Eventually your speed and your age will coincide yeah. to this perfect <laughs> moment. <laughs> I'll have to live to be like 110. <laughs> I think that's a great thing about running. It's like, you know, you're only as old as you feel for one thing, but also that it's exciting to get older to like get in a new age group. So it's <laughs> like, win, win. Yeah. So what was your first marathon and how did that go for you? So uh, my first was uh, SIM in Sacramento, the California International Marathon. It was the one of the coldest experiences of my life. It's in December. California is not that cold in December. It was 12 degrees at the start line. Oh, wow. It was one of those races. It's I don't know if you guys have ever run SIM, but it's a net downhill with rolling hills for the big first 20 miles of it. All of the aid stations, a bunch of them were on the downhill portions 
and the you know how we like toss water and it spills it was black ice at all the age stations oh that is nuts it's like a skating rink literally yeah. <laughs> and you, you'd see some people hit it and just start sliding down the hill wow mm. i was trucking along and then i think i hit mile like 19 20 you know i didn't per se hit the quote-unquote wall but I went mile, mile 20. I was like, oh, my God, my feet have never hurt so much in my entire life. I had been training a lot on we have a flat dirt trail that runs through our park. And so I was always running when I do my long runs on this dirt trail and running on a dirt trail and then running a marathon on asphalt does not help at all. <laughs> it's not the same thing. <laughs> no. Every step was like excruciating pain. So I finally finished because you're not going to quit. But it was five hours, six minutes, and I think it was like 57 seconds. And I was so happy. I was ecstatic. All right, what are we going to do the next one? <laughs> <laughs> Even with your feet hurting so bad, you were still like, okay, this is happening again. <laughs> yeah, I didn't rush out and sign up for a next marathon. I think I signed up for another half marathon type of a thing. I didn't do my next full marathon until I did Honolulu the following December, but I wanted to get trained up more and, you know, keep going and recover and build my feet up more because I felt like I needed to build the endurance on my feet more to be able to tackle the marathon distance better. And I see you picked a warmer climate for your second marathon. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. So what motivated you to go out and find us, basically? How did you find us back then? So I was trying to find out everything I could about running in the running world and podcasts were a thing right then. I was like, there's got to be a running podcast. And so I just searched running podcasts and you guys were the very first ones that popped up. I was like, yes. And I followed you and I was like, oh my God. And they're really smart too. Like, <laughs> and entertaining. This is great. Cause like, you never know, right? When it comes right. to like a podcast. But I just, <laughs> I, I loved you guys from the very beginning. It was very much you guys bring us in and you're educational and you're entertaining. And I get the view that you really genuinely care about your listeners and really want to pour into your audience and give them the best of yourselves. And I just absolutely loved that about the two of you guys. And so I started listening to the podcast religiously and I eventually was like, hmm, I should join that training academy that they have. Because this whole randomly finding online training programs on my own isn't working very well. My um, next five marathons after my first marathon were actually slower, with my slowest marathon ever being like five and a half hours and 37 minutes, something like that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, let's, like, I'm gonna just join because, like, you can join the group and get access to your training plans. And so that's what I did as I joined the group. I started working on your training plans. And gradually started improving my marathon time bit by bit. Ultimately, I signed up to um, for coaching to work with Angie as a coach. And I think that was right around 2016, 2015. Yeah, I was looking back at our emails and I think it was end of March 2016. And then we worked together to like May of 2017 when we moved and I took a sabbatical. So I remember you were like working on a to break four hours at that point in time. So you had made some good progress, but really kind of getting to that under four hour mark was your big goal at that point in time. Yeah. Did you hit a PR while you were working with Angie? I think I remember a post or something like that in the in the group. Yeah, she got me to a, I think it was 409 at the Eugene Marathon. Um, and then we did, I think we had another marathon. Oh, no, I broke my ankle. I tripped on a rock. Oh, man. 
fractured my talus bone completely through. Mm. Yeah, that was, that was a tough injury. <laughs> so it just goes to show, I just want to pause here for a second and, and show folks that JJ has this desire and this this goal to run the Boston Marathon. So your first marathon, you're probably still a good hour and a half away from your BQ time. So you start running more marathons. Some marathons are probably just going to be for fun. Others, you're maybe trying to improve your time. But life happens and if you start getting faster, things are clicking and then boom, you break your ankle. Yep, that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> but you didn't give up. You didn't give Absolutely up. Absolutely not. It's just a opportunity to get back out there and retrain and see what you need to do better and change things up. And, you know, you can cross train when you're injured. So like you don't have yeah. to completely lose all of your fitness. Although sometimes we definitely do lose a lot of fitness when we're doing that. I think after that was when I was training for Mount Charleston, uh, Las Vegas. And Angie, you were originally going to run that. And then. Yes, I did. I did. Yeah, I pulled out of that one. So, yeah, we were going to be able to meet up. But, yeah, just the fact that you came back from so many different setbacks, it was really just admirable that you never gave up on that goal because a lot of people would have concluded, I've had so many injuries. I have this discomfort. I've had setbacks. Like, running is not for me. And then you started working with Coach Steve in 2017. Yes, I love him. He's absolutely fabulous. <laughs> he, he's that he's that perfect amount of like I don't know if you personality wise pair us up with our coaches, but to me at least it felt like you did because like you gave me somebody that was ideally works with my type of personality really really well. Yeah. When I was transferring my clients at that point in time, I was like, JJ is going to be a great fit with Coach Steve. I think this is going to be a good match. <laughs> how, how would you describe your personality? I am very much, I don't let things hold me back. And I am sort of willing to do anything that you tell me to do. But like, I'm going to do the training run and I may want to do more than what you're telling me to do. And I just, I don't have a good sense of, do you guys remember when you did the podcast about the five? Uh, the four tendencies, right? Yes. Gretchen Rubin, you're an upholder. <laughs> yes. And like, I know I'm paying him, right? But like, I don't want to disappoint him. I want my coach to be proud of me and I don't want to disappoint him. And I'm going to do my best for him because he's my coach. And I want him to know that the effort and time and interest that he's putting into me that I'm reciprocating him and I'm always giving him 100%. Mm -hmm. Throughout this journey I've had with running, I actually went and got um, a coaching certificate through United Endurance Sports just so I could like learn more about it and all the things. And I was like, I could never coach myself. I, <laughs> I 100% believe that it doesn't matter what your knowledge is. You need somebody that's an external force that is able to fully unbiased evaluate what you should be doing in the moment and that you should always have that person that can like judge you and be like, no, you can do more or like, let's take a week back. Mm -hmm. I very much need that in my life. Yeah, I think that takes great self-knowledge because I think most people cannot coach themselves well. Either they do too much and they don't hold themselves back when they need to, or they don't push themselves hard enough. And like finding that balance, it's really hard without an outside eye looking in and knows your personality and can evaluate things and provide that specific plan to yeah. ultimately get you where you want to be. Well, I mean, like, look at the professional runners. You know that they know all the things about running. Mm -hmm. Almost all of them still have coaches. Like, right. having a good coach. And, like, MTA provides 
you are an amazing coach and like coach Steve is, I love him. He's the best. Having that person that you can connect with and drive you and hold you back when you need to and pushes you to do all the things is just, it's, it's the best. And I can't Mm -hmm. recommend you guys as coaching program (laughs) enough. (laughs) Oh, thank you. That's very kind. And you know, I think that it is helpful even to have a coach through those injuries and those setbacks because it can get really disillusioning, you know, like trying to cross train through an injury and know how to appropriately build back up safely. A lot of people get re-hurt during that time. So I think it's really wise to have someone who knows you and can really help you through the ups and downs because running training for marathons and especially trying to Boston qualify is definitely sometimes like a one step forward, two steps back process at what it feels like. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. We were just thinking about your story JJ, and how similar it is to Angie's story with qualifying for Boston, because it was like 25 marathons, I think it took you, Angie, and seven plus years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's people who can qualify at their first marathon or maybe at their second. And we definitely admire those people, but we have met a lot of folks. It's a multi-year endeavor. And I think I'm biased towards the people who it really takes them a long time because I ran that road myself. (laughs) You know, we're going to be happy for anyone who qualifies for sure. But ultimately, when you run Boston, it's going to mean so much more to you. I mean, it's just going to be it's going to be so amazing. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So Coach Steve has actually coached me through 18 marathons. I counted up my medals in my office the other day. I personally believe everybody should do a marathon once in their life, and I'm trying to convince my husband of that. It has not worked yet. (laughs) Um, But I find in the marathon, you learn something about who you are as a person every single time. And at the end of the day, even if I don't do a faster marathon or PR or have a good day, I've learned something about who I am and what I'm made of. And that has extreme value to me and makes it worth all the pain and anguish of getting to where you are to find out more of what you're made of. Mm. And at the end of the day, like I ran a marathon, I ran a marathon five hours or not. Like I ran a marathon. It's great. Yeah. Quick break to thank our sponsor, AG1. You guys have heard us talk about AG1. We love it. We take it every day. I was actually at a football party um, at the neighbor's house and a commercial came on for AG1. I pointed at the screen. I'm like, hey, that's really good stuff. (laughs) It is really good stuff. I drink AG1 in the morning first thing. And it's nice to know that I'm doing something good for my body and covering my nutritional bases. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. And it tastes good. That's right. We've had some green drinks that don't taste too good. Yeah, it's uh, made from all natural ingredients. There's no preservatives or any of that other junk. If you've never tried it, the only way I can describe it is like drinking pure health. That's what it tastes like. (laughs) We've heard from so many people who have experienced greater mental clarity, better digestion, um, and greater sense of energy. Those are some of the things that I experience as well, and I don't leave home without it, in fact. (laughs) Just head over to drinkag1.com forward slash MTA. You can get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase That's drinkag1.com slash MTA. Thanks also to our sponsor, Oladance, makers of wearable stereo. Definitely do your ears a favor and try Oladance. These are earbuds, but they don't actually go into your ear. They sit on top of the ear, which is good for a couple different reasons. One, you can hear what's going on around you. You know, it's safer for running in traffic. And another benefit is it lessens ear fatigue. So it's better for your long-term hearing. Our kids still walk around with their in-the-ear earbuds, and sometimes they're so loud. I'm like... I can hear that from here. (laughs) I know. 
you only get one set of ears. And so it's really important that you are thinking about preventing hearing loss, especially if you listen to a lot of music, podcasts, audiobooks. And another thing I love too is I rarely have to charge them. These things last so long. Like I, I, the other day, I was like, I better plug them in just to make sure that, you know I don't run out of battery life midstream. And it still was like 50% charged even after it was over a week. So wow. they're really incredible. Just go to OLEDance.com, use the code MTA20. You'll get 20% off. OLEDance.com, use the code MTA20. So let's do this before we talk about Revel, the one that you BQ'd at recently. Um, do you have a race that you'd recommend that you really enjoyed? Yes, but I'm going to give you my second recommendation because my first recommendation is biased. I love the Disney World Marathon. I have run it six times. It is by far my favorite race. I am also obsessed with Disney. <laughs> <laughs> so taking that out of the mindset, Fargo. Hmm. And I ran Fargo because Angie talked about a race recap with Fargo. Yep. I like Fargo too. <laughs> I love Fargo. Fargo was my PR for the longest time. I am a big fan of a big city race and Fargo feels like a big city race, but hmm. it's not. So I ran it in 2019 and it was pouring rain and everybody in town had their little rain tents out with their barbecues and the crowds were like three deep as they were like screaming for us during this race. And it was flat. I am also a cold weather girl and it was like 45 degrees and raining. It was spectacular. (laughs) (laughs) I liked that we started indoors. Um, mm-hmm. In the, the Thunderdome thing. They also do an amazing medical tent. I can rank races by their medical tents at the finish line. <laughs> Frequently. <laughs> Frequent flyer. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> so um, they do a great medical tent at the finish line, which is also inside. Because it's a football stadium, they have access to the showers in the stadium afterwards. You can shower before you get in your car. It's got all the things. That was a 33327 in Fargo and nice. I we thought we were going to go better in Berlin which I ran that September and I uh tore my hamstring going into Berlin and mm. so Berlin was like a 4 hour marathon and then it's been one uphill battle after another it took me a long time to fully rehab um my hamstring issues which they turned out actually was my back screwing with my hamstring cuz mm. it was a combined injury thing And then as I was finally getting back from that was when the COVID pandemic hit and I got COVID really, really bad in 2020 when Mm. I tore my other hamstring and was off running for probably two months with COVID because I I couldn't breathe at all. And Coach Steve got me back from that. I was back down to once we started running, I was doing like an 11 minute mile was my speed work. We crawled and kicked and pulled our way back. Um, Wow. And that's taken, what, two years to get back to where I was in 2019 from Mm. that. And so it's just sort of been one, like you said, one step forward, two steps back type of a thing. (laughs) Say I also put on 30 pounds in that time frame because, you know, apparently I stress eat. As a lot of us do. Yeah. (laughs) COVID was not kind to the waistline. (laughs) No. Which I finally, because I tried working with a couple different nutritionists and none of them really worked well with me with my running and like what I needed to do as far as energy wise. Mm -hmm. Um, One of them had me on such a low amount of food that I was like frequently blacking out in the middle of my runs. And 
my my husband would like pick me up on the asphalt type of a thing. Oh no! Um, and so it just it wasn't good. And so I was trying to figure out the fueling on my own. And I was like, I could get a textbook and learn about this. No, I can't do nutrition stuff. No. <laughs> so I, I finally did the plunge, and I contacted MetPro and started working with them in May of this past year. May of 2023. Yeah. Okay. So how did that go? It's going amazing. They still have that uh, thing that where you're like, I learned about you from MTA and you get seven months for the price of six months. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I know it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. It's it an is. investment. It is an investment, but it's completely worth it. It's I'm actually down 30 pounds now. Whoa, that is amazing. Congrats. Mm -hmm. And I still got 10 more to go to get back to where I was in 2019. But our goal is I'm I'm working with uh, Coach Jesse from MetPro. And our goal is not fat loss or weight loss per se. We're trying to get into best body fat percentage of what she thinks I can do because she knows my goal is marathoning. So we are training me better how to fuel myself, not just during a race, because like I, I got that down during my life of what my body needs to be able to perform at its absolute best. As I was telling Coach Stephen about it in our different email communications or whatever that I started working with a nutritionist, he's like, so like in the nutritionist is like supporting the running. And I was like, yeah, it's making this massive, huge difference. So it's a team, right? It's an absolute team effort. Running is an individual sport, but it is a team effort. Yes. Yeah, it's exactly. true. Well said. And I'm really sort of bringing in all of these different pieces at one point in time and coming together to make me as least injury prone as possible. <laughs> right. <laughs> the strongest version of yourself, right? <laughs> exactly. I rehab my Achilles tendonitis that I had in April. Like we're doing good. <laughs> Just want to jump in here real quick and say we can't recommend MetPro enough. So cool to hear, you know, JJ mentioned how she's able to lose 30 pounds. And it's just awesome to hear about another person in our community who's gotten results by working with the nutritionist from MetPro. Yes, the nutrition coaches over at MetPro are fantastic. I've worked with several of them and they know their stuff. They are truly caring individuals who will help personalize this plan to make it work for your life. Um, Because we all know as runners that we need energy for our our running and our strength training, whatever we're doing, but we also need energy for daily life. And that is one of the things that sets MetPro apart, making sure that you're well-fueled and you have that energy while achieving your goals. Yeah, as you heard JJ talk about, I mean, the the fact that MetPro was able to help her lose the weight and not starve, you know, to actually be able to fuel for a marathon, to do those two things at the same time is not very easy. There's a strategy involved. And so that's what they can help you with. You can actually talk to one of their coaches for free. See if it's a good fit for you. Go to metpro.co slash MTA. Tell them that we sent you metpro.co slash MTA. So your goal going into Rebel Big Cottonwood wasn't necessarily to run a BQ, was it? I think I saw Coach Steve had posted in our group. Talk about like what the goal for this race was and like how your preparation went. So he knows my goal is always in every single marathon to run a BQ. He also knows that like I ran a 4.20 at the Walt Disney World Marathon as part of the Dopey Challenge in January, which considering I stopped at like 35 photo stops and rode a roller coaster. like <laughs> Yeah, that's really fast. <laughs> and it was, you know, day four of racing in a row. Like that was sort of like my best race of the year. 
in April, I did the New Jersey marathon because um, we had gone back to New Jersey because my mom had died last year and we were going to be oh. burying her in New Jersey. Um, so my mom would have wanted me to run a marathon because I also want to do 50 states. I did the Jersey City Marathon, which was an emotional roller coaster because I didn't, we didn't have time to do a course drive through beforehand. And I didn't realize that I think mile 15 or 10 or so, it was like a double loop course, um, was running through this massive cemetery. Oh, no. Mm, wow. And I am just bawling. I've never cried in a marathon in my life. And I am bawling as I'm running through this cemetery. And we thought maybe I could get under four hours for it. And it, it was not happening that day. And it just was one of those, like, the you know how the mental side of our running plays such an important role in how we do physically? I don't know if you guys have ever read the book by Dina Castor, Let Your Mind Run. Oh, that's a great run. Yeah. Yeah. Coach Steve turned me on to that book. I love it. But it's very much like our mental state that we're in super will affect us physically and what we're able to do on that day. And I just was going to finish it come hell or high water, like, cause there's no quitting. I got, I wasn't going to stop. And I, I ended up walking a bunch of it. And I think that when I finished in like four 30 and I was just so glad that I finished it. Cause every part of my being, especially with a double loop course, after we'd hit the cemetery, we came right past the finish line. And I Ugh. saw my husband and I'm bawling and I'm like, I don't want to do this. And he was like, you don't have to do this. And I was like, well, of course I have to do this. <laughs> he said the right thing. You're like, no, I've, I've got to do this. <laughs> I just don't want to do it. He's like, I know you don't want to do it. You don't have to. I was like, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I got to go. I got to run. <laughs> and I had this complete mental shift in that race. And I was like, I don't have to do this. I get to do this. And I'm doing the thing I love. And I am honoring my mother by doing the thing I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a 4.30 and that was in April. I ran the Provo uh, Marathon in June with a friend that I'd actually met at the Disney World Marathon that past year. We ended up on the bus together and became friends and like <laughs> met up in um, Provo. And I was really hoping she wasn't a serial killer. She seemed normal. Um, <laughs> Most runners are pretty normal. <laughs> right. <laughs> so like we met on a bus once and decided to stay in a hotel room together and run a marathon. It was so much fun. Like the running community is so absolutely amazing. And the people, runners are actually really some of the best down to earth people, you know, mm-hmm. um, we're great friends now. We're going to do multiple races together, Aww. but That's cool. I had sprained my ankle two weeks before that race, mm-hmm. um, training for it. And so I ran that one, I think in like 445 and then we're training for big cottonwood. I had to run over an hour faster than my prior marathon to qualify for Boston. Like, mm-hmm. And I was like, could we be cute? And he's like, we're just going to run our best. And I was like, okay, but could we be cute? <laughs> <laughs> One piece of advice that, that you shared is he told you, let the race come to you. Yeah. So his whole mindset is very much, we're going to do our best in this race and you're just going to let, let the race come to you. And what happens happens and to run within yourself and mm-hmm. We actually talked on the phone on packet pickup day at Big Cottonwood. I was like, so do you think I, what kind of cutoff do you think I would need to be cute? And he was like, we're not talking about that. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, if we start talking BQ, you're going to spiral. And (laughs) he he knew that about me completely. I was like, are we going to run this like Fargo then? And just, he's like, yeah, you're just going to run within yourself and we'll see what happens. Like, Mm -hmm. I do not want you thinking Boston whatsoever on this race. I just want you to, and he'd like seen my times, my, my mile times and my speed work outs had been 
significantly dropping. I was running tempo runs between like 720 to 745 pace. And he'd also been having me do downhill 800 meter repeats. Instead of doing like long runs downhill, we I have this one hill that's about three quarters of a mile long, but the bottom quarter is very flat on a downhill. So we were starting at the top and doing half mile repeats. I talked my dad into picking me up at the bottom for my, cause I got a two minute recovery. So he picked me up in the truck at the bottom, drive me up to the top, which is my two minutes. And then I get back and run I back down <laughs> and do them faster than 5k pace. So he was having me go as fast as I could downhill to try to kill my quads as to build them up as much as possible. And I think we were doing originally around like a 630 pace on those. And by the last couple runs, I I managed because I was like, I feel like I could do sub six. And he was like, just, it's okay. And I was like, I feel like I should be able to go faster. And he's like, it's okay. And in the last couple ones of that, that work, I think we did that workout maybe three or four times. I'd actually hit sub six minute miles on a couple of them. I was like, I knew it. <laughs> you're bombing the downhills. <laughs> That's pretty smart to train that way since you're going to be doing a downhill marathon. You work on that leg turnover and not breaking because that's mm-hmm. a huge thing that can really take a toll on your legs. So, Yeah, he gave me a full email being like, this is the form for downhill running and like focus on doing that form. And so I really like learned how to do the form really, really well. He also had me doing a lot of, so like you, you think downhill running, you could do quad workouts, right? But doing your squats, like weighted squats, normally you go down low and like you push up fast. This, you go down as slow as you possibly can because you're building up the muscle under the tension, which is the similar tension to what you're going to be getting um, during the race. Wow. So on race day, Revel Big Cottonwood, at what point in the race did you know that a BQ was within reach? I run with my Garmin, right? Because I'm obsessed with data. And I was watching the miles clock by and, and click off. And I was like, oh, that's a 7.30. That's a 7.45. Don't focus on the time. Don't focus on the time, JJ. <laughs> run within yourself. And I was really focusing on that aspect of the running. And I also had this song stuck in my head the entire race. I don't know if you guys have heard it. It's called Count It All Joy. Um, mm-hmm. It's a it's a Christian song, but it's mm-hmm. talking about counting all joy when I go through troubles mm-hmm. and it's talking about counting up my blessings, counting them one by one. And I spent that entire marathon with those chunks of that song looped in my head going, counting it all joy. Like I'm going to be struggling. I'm counting it all joy. And don't look at your watch. Just count your blessings. Stop checking your watch. (laughs) And I was around mile like 18, 19, 20, somewhere in there. And I looked down at my watch and I was like, I could do this. Like Hmm. this might be it. Okay. Don't push the pace. (laughs) (laughs) Don't push the pace. And I kept in that that mindset. And I think it was probably about mile 20, 21. And I realized that everybody around me was walking. At this point in time, it was so it's Salt Lake City. So there's no air there. Um, even when you get down the hill, there's no air. <laughs> Still <at> elevation. <laughs> it's like four or 5,000 feet. I live at like 200 feet. And even though I heat trained because our summers are like 110, there's still no air in Salt Lake City. And I think it was 85 degrees at this point in time. And there was no shade on the course either. And the aid stations were giving us very, very minimal water. Like the cups were literally maybe like two swallows of water (laughs) at it. 
and I look around and everybody's walking and I'm going, don't push the pace. Like, it's okay. You can walk. Everybody's walking. Like, stay within yourself. Let it come to you. I'm like, crap, we're at mile 21. This is the time to push the pace. What are you doing? Like, my mind was so on this. Stay within yourself. Let it come to you. Don't push the pace. Don't break. Just keep a high turnover. Then I'm like, oh my God, like I'm doing this. Like, <laughs> do I have to run a 330 or a 335? I can't do the math on the 335. It's clearly a 330. I don't remember how old I am. Um, <laughs> math is hard in a marathon. <laughs> yeah, at mile 21. Exactly. Like the 330 pace group passes me. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm fine. I have to run a 335. Like, it's fine. Just keep up the pace. And I was trying to then do the math in my head of how fast I've been going. And I had my watch telling me like how much time had elapsed on the race. And I was like, why are you walking? Just run. I'm like, okay, time-wise, I think if I keep under a 10-minute mile, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. But in the back of my head, I'm still worried about... I still got four miles to do and it is really hot and I feel really dehydrated. Like I want to push, but I also know I got four miles to do. So I just tried to keep going and keep going. And I figured if as long as I could keep running, I'd be okay. I didn't have to tempo it type of a thing. Mm -hmm. And then the 335 pace group passed me. (laughs) Ooh, (laughs) crap. I'm not making it. And then I remembered that the lines at the porta potty were so long at the start line, I was in the bathroom when they started the race. And so I started the race over two minutes late. Maybe I'm okay. Like, And then I was also like, I'm going to be so proud of this race regardless. If this is another Fargo where we miss it by a few minutes, it doesn't matter because I have a race marathon in November and a marathon in January. Nobody expects me to BQ this. I am going to give everything I can. I know Coach Steve is going to be proud of me regardless. I'm almost an hour faster than my last marathon. Like, it's going to be great regardless. <laughs> wow. So even in the last four or five miles, you had to keep telling yourself just to kind of let go of the outcome. Just do your best, mm-hmm. but not be crushed if you didn't get your BQ time. Exactly. Because I run because I love to run. And regardless of whether or not I qualified for Boston at Revel, that wasn't my last marathon. And I know I'm going to make it one day. I don't know if you guys saw how many people applied for Boston this year yeah. with over 33,000. Mm-hmm. I know that I will probably not actually get to run Boston this year. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness Revel was perfectly timed where it also lets me apply for 2025. Yeah, But it's all a journey. Yeah, exactly. It's not an end goal. And even when I finally get to run Boston, I'm still on this journey and I'm still going to see what I can get out of myself. So I, I mean, I, I, that was sort of my mindset also within the race. And it's one of those things I've learned over 27 marathons, right, is to not be crushed within myself if I don't qualify for Boston, because uh, I, I definitely have been super crushed in that. But if I know I gave everything I had in that day, in that moment, that's all I can ask of myself, right? Mm-hmm. Did you know when, when you crossed the finish line, did you know that you qualified or? I didn't know I qualified. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the spectators or people tells us mile six is right up at that intersection, right? And so I come up to the intersection and it's a left turn and it is the steepest uphill of the course. Right at mile 26. Right at mile 26. And Um, I am booking it up this hill, right? And as I'm coming around and we were ended in this parking lot and it was like this U-turn. 
And part of the problems at this point in time in the race that I was having was they had combined the marathon and the half marathon course met up, right? And we're with the half marathoners, which I good on them. I'm so proud of them. These people are struggling, getting through their half marathon times. These are the people that you're like so proud of. Like they're walking their last chunk of their half marathon. These are your final finishers. These people are rock stars. They are also walking the end of their half marathon and I'm trying to swerve around them. (laughs) (laughs) They're all in the way. (laughs) Yeah. And I come in and it's this U-turn and I see this half marathoner who's walking kind of wide the U-turn, right? And so I cut in on the inside of her. And as she does this, she cuts to the guardrail. Oh, no. And we almost collide. I miss her by inches as I am dead sprinting to get as much time wow. as as I could for my, cause like I thought I had it. I thought I'd made Boston and every second counts, right? To mm-hmm. get to that cutoff. And so I am sprinting as hard as I can in. I hear my dad scream my name and I cross the finish line and I see the clock says 336 on the finish line. And you needed a sub 335. Correct. And I, I was like, I think I did it. Pause my watch. And I next thing I know, some person is asking me, are you okay? Oh, and my no. eyes roll in the back of my head. And then I'm being drugged by two medical personnel to the medical tent. Oh, no. Oh, man. <laughs> Yikes. They start covering me in ice blankets and put ice on my head. Once I'm like cognizant of what's going on, I look at my watch. I'm like, it says 332. I, I think I did it. Maybe I did it. Maybe I did it. I don't know. And like my brain's still wibbly wobbly with blacking out and not Mm. thinking very, very well with the combination of like dehydration and heat exhaustion and And sprinting up a hill. (laughs) Sprinting up a hill. (laughs) So like I get out and like there's this photo of me. It's one of my favorite photos from the race, actually, of I'm leaving the medical tent with my ice bag and I'm trying to find the medals because I still haven't gotten my medal yet. And the photographer sort of like shoves a camera in my face and I like halfway glare at him. And I'm also like that I'm dead, but I can't figure out if I qualified for Boston left. <laughs> but I'm really proud of like it's this such a real moment looking at how I was feeling. It's not me smiling at the end of a race or anything like that. It it's not a good photo, but I love it. Like it's it's <laughs> so perfect of how I felt in the moment. A lot of complex emotions there. Yeah. I don't think I saw that one. I did not send that one to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I love about Revel is they, you know, you can go and check your time and you can get that little printout and everything. And so they can tell you right away, you know, where you placed all that good stuff. So they don't keep you in yeah. suspense if you can find the appropriate and location. The, and the photos are free, which is cool. That's one of my favorite parts of them. So I I get through the food part and I get, they print out this printout that has my race results on it that tells me, and at the bottom it says, you qualified for Boston. Uh, I was like, oh my God, I qualified for Boston. I did it. I did it. I did it. After 10 years too. Yeah. Just amazing. And my dad finds me and is like, because my husband wasn't able to get the time off work to come because it's a Saturday race. So we had to leave on Thursday. And he's like, Andrew wants you to FaceTime him. And so we, we FaceTime him. And Andrew pulls out this shirt that he bought for me back in 2017 because he thought I was going to qualify at Mount Charleston. That says oh. Boston qualifier on it. And he has kept oh. it in the package with the tags on it since 2017. And he pulls it out and just goes, I'm so glad you lost weight because it'll fit you now. but he believed in you so much that he back then he was yeah yeah. i burst out crying like i like ugly cried like 
I I never really <laughs> cried at the end of a marathon before. And so like we, you know, get me to the car and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Coach Steve had told me that I could call him at the end of the race. So I was like, you want me to call you? Because normally I text him at the end of a race and let him know how it went. Um, he's like, call me. And I was like, call him. And as I called him, and he's like, I was just checking your results. Oh, my God, you effing did it. We did it. And I was like, oh, my God, we did it. And like he's screaming and I'm screaming. Like we did it. We finally did it. Oh my God. It was amazing. What a moment. So it was just, it was one of those like perfect moments. He was like, I was screaming in my front yard, like, cause I just happened to check your time. And I was like, we did it. I was like, I know. I can't believe we did it. If, if we could only just bottle up that joy I and, know. and export it to everyone else. That'd be awesome. But you have to work for that to get that level of joy. You That's have to really true. work hard for it. So yeah. <laughs> so you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. My husband's like, so like, you're just going to run for fun now. Right. And I was like, no. <laughs> do you know me at all <laughs> i got a race in november i gotta try to get a better qualifying time for boston in 2025 so i get more of a cut <laughs> i am doing the white river run for kenya marathon in arkansas because my husband wants to go visit his aunt and uncle back there and i'm like we're not going to arkansas unless i'm running a marathon because I'm trying to hit all 50 states. Got to take advantage when I can. Exactly. Right. <laughs> How many states have you done so far? I tend to repeat marathons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I have Hawaii, California, Oregon, Utah, Nevada, Florida, New Jersey, mm -hmm. Tennessee, Illinois, North Dakota. Yeah. And you get quite a few. Arizona. Okay. Just 39 to go. <laughs> Like, it doesn't help that of my 27 marathons, I've done Disney six times. So, like, <laughs> the heart wants what the heart wants. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are so proud of you, JJ. Yes. And just all the hard work, riding the roller coaster of the ups and downs and the injuries and the comebacks. And thank you for sharing your story with us. I mean, everyone should take away a lot from this conversation. Even if it takes 10 years, don't give up on your dream. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's all the better when you finally reach it. Yes, oh, yeah. exactly. Well, we've been excited to follow your journey. And I know you have many exciting races ahead of you and definitely can't wait till you eventually do get to run Boston. Hopefully we'll see you at a race someday. Absolutely. That would be fantastic. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Big thanks to JJ for sharing her story. I just love her her grit and her tenacity. Maybe someday her and I can go roller skating. <laughs> <laughs> I still want to roller skate the Berlin Marathon. Yeah, that's, maybe that's what we should do. She'd be down for that. If you've never heard of it, folks, this is a legit thing. The day before the Berlin Marathon, there's a rollerblade marathon. One problem is there's really nowhere to practice around here. There's so many hills. Just go to the local roller rink and do 20 miles worth of laps. <laughs> <laughs> well, seriously, we are very proud of JJ. And if this kind of sparked your curiosity about working with a coach, you can head over to our website and click on coaching, find all the information about getting an MTA coach and to set up a consultation call to see if it's a good fit for you. Yeah, that's right. You can talk with our head coach, Nicole. That's MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. You can also find us on social media at Marathon Academy. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my way, right on my way.